In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. I hate waiting, especially for appointments. I'm the kind of person that likes to be the first person in the doctor's office in the morning so that I'm not backed up behind the other patients. I like to get there a couple of minutes early so I can get all my paperwork done and I can be called back on time, but that very rarely seems to happen. Now, thanks to my cell phone, I no longer have to lug a book or two to appointments. I mean, there's nothing worse than bringing a book with you and getting done with the book and you're still waiting. But sometimes the waiting is open-ended. What are my grades? Did I get into the college I wanted? Did I make the team? How is she doing? Waiting can be difficult at the best of times. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Now we jump back even further in time towards the beginning of the story of the family of God, to the first wanderer being led by God. Abraham is living in Ur of the Chaldees. Today that would be in Iraq. Abraham's father Terah was going to lead them to Canaan, but when they traveled 600 miles or so, they got to Haran, and today that's kind of in Turkey, and they stopped and they settled there. And Abram waited. And after his father dies, God says to Abram, Go to the land where I will lead you. And he goes. He takes his family. He takes all of his possessions. He takes his nephew. And off they go. And after years of traveling, Abram begins to stay in the land where his descendants will live. And he waits. And then God calls out to Abram. And God promises him a great reward. And after he does that, Abram reminds God that he has no child. Eliezer of Damascus, his faithful servant, will inherit everything. And God makes a promise here. This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue will be your heir. He took them outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him for righteousness. God made a promise that in his old age he would have a child. And from that child would come a family that were like the stars in the night sky. And not like when we look up in Philadelphia, and there's a handful of very bright stars or planets or airplanes flying about. More like when you're out west. Any of you all ever been to New Mexico, Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, any of those places where there's no people around? And you look up at the night sky, and on a clear night, You see the Milky Way. You can see everything. That's what God was talking about here. And hearing that, Abram believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness. Given the impossibility of what God had just promised, Abram trusted that what God told him would happen would come to pass. God promised the land to Abram. And when Abram asks how he knows it will become his, I mean, he... He he and Lot and Eleazar and their other servants don't make up an army. How are they going to take the land? How are they going to possess it? And God makes a covenant, a contract with Abram. The sacrifices, the preparations being made mirror what would have been made in a covenant between rulers or families at the time. 
So Abram makes the sacrifices, and then he waits. He waits so long, in fact, the Bible says he's got to drive away the buzzards. The buzzards smell it all and come a-calling. He waits so long, he starts to fall asleep. It's getting to be nighttime. And when he does, he goes into a deep sleep. And a terrifying darkness descends on him. And God tells Abram his children will possess the land, but they would have to grow and live in Egypt for a time. That's part of what we didn't read this morning. But then they would live and possess the land. And the Bible says, When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between those pieces. And on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I give the land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. God had finished the covenant, but it was one-sided. If you go and you read historians, historians would say for a two-sided contract to take place, Abram's got to walk in between the sacrifices, just like we saw the flaming pot do. But God was telling Abram that he was doing it out of his grace. Abram was not required to sign anything for this to come to pass. But again, his descendants would have to wait for the promise to be fulfilled. Jesus has been preaching and healing and calling everyone to change. Change and enter the kingdom of God. And as he's preaching it, Pharisees come to him and said, Listen, you need to get away from here. Herod wants to kill you. And how does Jesus respond? He says, Tell that fox to wait. On the third day, his work's going to be finished. Now, we know that's a little bit of foreshadowing, right? The apostles didn't. Jesus reminds them that he still has to go to Jerusalem, for that's where all the prophets go to die. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The apostles and the disciples don't fully understand what's about to happen. How the world's going to be changed over the course of one week. But it's not that time yet. Jesus has more healing to do, more people to be delivered, more preaching and teaching. The world's just going to have to wait a little bit longer. And Jesus even tells them when it's going to be fulfilled. Just like God told Abram when his descendants would enter the land. You'll not see me again until you say, Hosanna. Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord. Now we're waiting for that day too. We have the advantage of knowing exactly what day that's going to be. This year it's April 10th. On April 10th, we'll all get together and get our palm branches and we'll say Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then after that, we have a very precise timetable. Right? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we, go, we, we quit Lent. The apostles and disciples didn't. All they could do was stand and wait. Show me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Deliver me not into the hand of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen up against me and those who speak malice. What if I had not believed that I should see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? O tarry and await the Lord's pleasure. Be strong and he will comfort your heart. Wait patiently for the Lord. David, who wrote this psalm, 
knew something about waiting. Anointed to be king while Saul was still alive, he waited. He served the king, he played music. He defeated Goliath. He led the armies of Saul into battle and won. And he waited. And Saul grew jealous and chased after him to kill him. And David did his best not to fight. He went in hidden caves, sometimes getting close enough to Saul to take things from him. It reminded him that he's a faithful servant. He had the opportunity to kill him, but he didn't. But he knew who had anointed him and who had called him, and David waited. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Paul had waited. Waited to begin his ministry after meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus. In Galatians and in Acts it says that he waited more than three years in the wilderness, watching and praying and learning. And here Paul's waiting again. He wants the Philippians to pattern their lives after him and the other believers. But Paul's in prison. Not to live like those who who oppose, who drive Paul to tears when he thinks about them. Drives Paul to tears because he knows them. And he wants them to be saved too. But Paul says our end destination is different from theirs. We have a promise. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that enables him to make all things subject to himself. We will be transformed. That's the great promise that Easter will bring. The hope is that we'll be reconciled to God. That hope is that God doesn't distinguish between Jew and Greek. That's why Paul, when he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord this way, my beloved. Stand firm and wait. It's not our time yet. Jesus isn't back. And while we're waiting, our job is to share that love and hope so that others, no matter who they are, will be reconciled to God through Christ. Amen.